to Hebrews chapter 13 as we work our way through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Lord willing, next week we start in the book of James. So we got a couple of more to do in the New Testament and we will be finished. And then you're very excited. Job. Now listen, you say that, but when you get to like 30, you're like, no. I could do chapters 1 and 2 and then 3 through 40 in one night. (laughs) We will be in Job. That will be exciting. That'll be a couple of months from now. Tonight, Hebrews chapter 13, the last words to this group of Hebrews Let Philadelphia continue. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word, and we just ask for your hand now upon our heart, Lord, that we would hear from you these words, that we would be strengthened and encouraged in Jesus' name. Amen. That is what the Greek says. Let Philadelphia continue. So those of you from Philly, woohoo for the Philly. I was a little too excited over here on the right. <laughs> Let brotherly love continue. As we work through this chapter, we're going to see that the writer has some closing thoughts that he wants to address to them. Remember, as a kind of review of this entire book, the writer is writing to a group of people that are under persecution and massive persecution to leave Christ to go back to the former. Remember that go back into Judaism, go back into their religious life. And so he is going to encourage them and us tonight. And number one, he tells us just to like each other. Think about that. The one group that we, and we're going to see as we go through this entire chapter, the one group that we should not create problems with, everybody got that? Is this group. We should, yeah, Look at the word brotherly love. You and I have joined a family. Now, family is is interesting, isn't it? (laughs) Especially, mm -hmm. family is interesting, isn't it? Uh, You've got some dynamics there. Everybody's got that crazy uncle or aunt, and if you don't know who that is, maybe you're it. (laughs) You're like, uh... And in a family, there was all kinds of dynamics, is there not? At the end of the day, what is it? It's family. It's still family. And you would move a family member in July in South Carolina, would you not? Hot as it is out there, you would do anything, take them wherever, take them to the hospital in the middle of the night, You would do these things, and the writer says, what you do with family, earthly family, you need to do with your spiritual family, amen? And that means to continue it, always continue it, you don't stop the brotherly kindness. And then he says, don't forget to entertain strangers, having hospitality, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. So not only do we take care of our family, we love them, we like them, we want to hang out with them, but we also have 
an idea of taking care of them, hospitality as well. And the writer just says, hey, remember what happened in Genesis? Uh, Abraham didn't know that he was entertaining not only the Lord but two other angels, and Lot didn't know that they were angels until those angels blinded the entire city. So don't forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Now, in context, let's put this in context. So we've got a group of people that have been shunned from their former life, their former family, right? And so now they don't have any family. The only family they do have is those in the body. However, when somebody is traveling, remember there are no hotels. Oh, there are some inns, but it's not like the 100 rooms that we know. And so if someone was at their local church, a home church to be exact back then, and if somebody was visiting and they didn't have a place to stay, the writer wants them to remember, hey, it's okay to have them over for Sunday lunch, and in fact, they might need to stay the night with you. He continues in verse 3, and remember... The prisoners, as if chained with them, and those who are mistreated, since you yourself are in the body also. So, in context, this group of people are not only being mistreated, but some of them are being thrown in jail for believing in Christ. And it would be easy for those to say, well, I don't associate with those in prison. I don't like the prison ministry. You know what this is? Y'all, let, you better like it if it's your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. <laughs> There's an interesting uh, church. I have a friend uh, down in Corpus Christi, Texas. And the pastor there, this lady, I'm not going to give you all the details, but she was falsely accused by the state or by the city. I can't remember what. I think it was the city or the state. And the church helped her pay over $1 million in legal fees. And eventually she was exonerated, and it was just charges that were ridiculous. Listen, sometimes God is going to call a body to do something extraordinary, and especially even this church who knows the persecution is coming. Hey, listen, if somebody gets thrown in jail, remember they don't have free Wi-Fi in jail three meals, let alone a cot, and free medical care. That's what we have in the United States of America. They didn't have anything like that. If your family didn't bring you food, you didn't eat. The government didn't, the Roman government didn't give you any food. So he's like, hey, uh, we got some guys and gals in, in prison. Remember them to bring them a cloak, bring them some parchments, How about bringing them some food and water? Why? Because you might be in that same place too, and wouldn't you want somebody to come visit you? Amen? Listen, what if you were falsely accused? Wouldn't you want the church to rally around you? Wouldn't you want them to, hey, listen, you know my character, you might say inside of the body. Hey, we know your character. Listen, it is not out of the realm to think that the authorities bring false charges against people. It happens all of the time. There are two pastors who were, who, well, one who just got 
arrested. Another one was arrested in Canada. This is really happening. What are you going to do as a body of believers when that takes place? When somebody gets arrested for going against the so-called mandate of the government. But obeying the word of God and, <laughs> well, that, that's the higher authority. So remember the prisoners, notice, as if chained with them and those who are being mistreated. I would say that the body in 2020 has really been mistreated. Oh, it's not being beaten with rods or with whips, but it's being mistreated. Therefore, we must stand up for and help out those who cannot. Notice, since you yourself are the body, this is one body in CCMB, in Myrtle Beach, this one church. But we are part of a giant church uh, all around the country and all around the world. And then in verse 4, he says, Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. So, marriage is honorable. We need to remember because in a world in which we live, and I, I know we think, uh, our world is <laughs> so much different than the ancient world. No, the Roman world was debased. And the, the Jewish religion taught something different as well. But marriage should be honorable because it was that thing that God created before the fall, before sin. And it was, it was the one thing there that was perfect and that came out of the garden. It needs to be honorable, which means everybody who is trying to obliterate the honor of marriage, uh, you could just have a common, uh, what is it? Commonwealth, common law, common, something common with a comma. Uh, you, you could just do that. No, no, no. Marriage is something that God set forth in his word. When they asked Jesus, he took them back to Genesis. Did God not make them male and female? Whom God joins together, let no man tear asunder, tear apart. You need to understand why the writer is writing what he is writing. We are getting to the place where Gnosticism, and John will tackle that in 1 John and 2 John, but when we get to that idea of Gnosticism, they're teaching that the flesh is evil, or the other group says it's not evil. And so sex is just something uh, that is evil, and the, the Judaism taught this at the time. It was just for procreation. And then the Romans taught, well, you could have multiple wives. So you had both gamuts, and the writer is speaking to both groups, and he's saying it's not this wing and it's not this wing. It's what God had created. Notice that he says, that it is honorable among all, and the bed is undefiled, but whoremongers, that's what the, new, new, uh, the King James says, whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. So the first one, fornicators, that's anything outside of marriage. Adulterers is everything inside of marriage. Isn't that pretty clear? So that which is out is bad, and... <laughs> That which you're having relations inside of marriage is also bad. But please note with me that the bed is undefiled. Remember the enemy, the devil, that guy, roaring, uh, just 
like a roaring lion, Peter will tell us. He wants everybody on planet Earth to have as much sex outside of marriage and have as least sex inside of marriage. That's his whole goal. And if he accomplished that in your life, he's winning. And he wins at that all of the time and inside of the church. And so we have, for 2,000 years, had so many different views of the marriage bed is undefiled. And the writer simply says it's not the Roman way and it's not the Jewish way. It is the balanced way. That's what makes marriage honorable. Notice he continues by saying in verse 5, which ties it into, let your conduct be without covetousness. Covetousness, wanting more of what you already have. He says, be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, and so that we might boldly say, the Lord is my helper I will not fear what man can do to me. So let your conduct be without covetousness. In our modern world, everything is about, and we've talked about this on Sunday as well, the obtaining of goods, obtaining of gold, getting ahead, beating the Joneses down the street, having more. It's amazing, again, he wrote, don't be covetous, and they never had TV commercials. If they had a problem with covetous back then, my gosh, how bad is it for us getting it constantly on our phones? Is it amazing how many things you did not know you needed? All of the time. And listen, if I, if, you know how this works. If you're talking to your spouse or to a friend about something, about a particular item, let's say vacuums. Let's, let's do a test for everybody's phones. Vacuums, vacuums, vacuums. By tonight, everyone will have ads for vacuums. <laughs> vacuums, vacuums. Thank you, Siri. Vacuums. Isn't it creepy how that works? All the time, doesn't it? <laughs> You're like, I, I, I really didn't need a vacuum, but now that you mention it, That's a great sale. And if I didn't get that, I would be losing out. (laughs) Honey, I saved you so much money. Really? Did you? If you didn't buy anything, I could have saved a whole lot more. (laughs) Let your conduct be without covetousness. And I love how the writer, and we're going to see at the end, that's why I think it's Paul. He says this over and over. Be content with what you have. Wherever you are, be content with where you are. He says, listen, for he himself has says, the Lord speaking, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So why would I need to kill myself in trying to obtain all things when my dad knows of the things that I already need have need of? Notice he says, the Lord is my helper. God is in the business of not only take care, taking care of you, but loving you, right? Our Father is a good, good Father. And if our human fathers love to pour upon us good gifts, so too our Heavenly Father. He says, the Lord is my helper. I will not, circle the word, what? Fear gas shortages. 
Listen, I, I just want to help everybody. There is going to be something in our country that we're lacking for the next, rap, until the rapture, right? It was toilet paper. It was this. It was that. And it's quite interesting to see those things. Uh, and I'm not saying not to be wise, and you should be wise. Uh, but listen, they just turned the pipeline back on. It was a couple of days, and it was off, and it shows us uh, that Thailand has better gas distribution than we do. Isn't that funny? It shows how vulnerable we are as a nation as well. But, yes, let them fear and let us trust in our dad. He says, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. Notice what man can do to me. Now, verse 7. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow and consider the outcome of their conduct. And the idea is of their longevity of what they are doing. Uh, men like uh, Pastor Chuck Smith, and, and you look at the, his life as a totality. You don't look at one little thing. I even say this of Martin Luther, who at the end of his life, as we talked about, kind of, well, didn't really like the Jew so much. But you look at the totality of his life. What did he do over the, his life span? And the writer says, listen, consider the outcome their finishing of their race. He says, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you. So those pastors who teach you the Bible, notice whose faith follow, consider the outcome of their conduct. I have been blessed by other pastors in my life, uh, uh, Pastor Joe Foch and Pastor Damian Kyle, obviously Pastor Chuck, and I've seen how God uses them and, and the faith that they have. And especially when I was as, as a younger pastor, I'd be like, man, uh, that is amazing to just surrender and to watch God work in their life. And it's a great testimony. And so too, he says, remember those who he's going to tell us who look out for your soul. He says, consider, I'm sorry, um, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's kind of like the writer is just like, he's writing all these things. Oh, by the way, oh, that's right. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means he doesn't change. Isn't that good to know? Uh, now, the Mormon God apparently tends to change his mind because he gives new revelation to the prophet of the day. And so they change doctrine. I mean, that would be very confusing if you were like, hey, I'm doing all this stuff, and then the next week, nope, we're going to go over here. No, what we have in the Bible is the totality of God's word. It is yea and amen, and therefore you can believe the promises that are inside of God's word. Isn't that good news? that you don't get up there and he changes his mind. Like, nope, we're, we don't need any more Georgians. We don't need any more New Yorkers. We're all, we're full. No, he doesn't change. He says, those who accept my son, as we'll see in a minute, they have eternal life. 
He says, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have no profit, who have not profited those who have been occupied with them, for we have an altar which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. So, in context, going back to Judaism, going back to the old system, a religious, self-righteous life, he says, don't be carried about with various and strange doctrines. Can, can I uh, give you a couple of words of advice here? Careful about the internet. Careful about the sites you go to. Careful about the blood moons, right? That happened a couple of years ago. Be careful what you watch. Careful what you listen to. Again, careful where you go. Because there's some strange things like flat earth stuff. Has nobody heard about the flat earth? There is some kooky stuff out there. That's strange. Now, I'm going to get a whole bunch of letters. I will delete them all. (laughs) And it's not just that. It's everything. I can't tell you how many times in a given year or a given decade I get people sending me stuff. And I I always want to put it next to God's word. Listen. By the way, there are no hidden Bible codes. There's no hidden any messages in the Bible. If the five-year-olds and the seven-year-olds can't understand it in the back, then we can't either. Don't think. Remember, we're coming at the Bible with a Greek mentality, a Greek way of thinking. And the, the Old Testament and the New Testament came from a Jewish perspective, which was God said it, and if he said this point, if he said this point, they're both accurate. But the Greek says if God says this and this and they contradict each other, then one must be wrong. But you can't say that, and you can't think that. So therefore, if God didn't say it, well, then I have to help him out by trying to figure it out. And that's how people come up with strange doctrine. Amen? Okay. Is everybody bummed out because I crashed their flat earth uh, theory? I'm like, He says, for it's good that the heart be established by grace. Guys, everything is grace. It's not by our self-works. Remember, that is what the writer has been trying to hit for the last 13 chapters. It is by grace. Not only that, notice what they do. Not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. I am amazed that we still have people today in 2021 in the body of Christ telling other people that foods make you holy or not holy. I'm amazed that that is still going on 2,000 years later after the writer, Galatians, all of these books that Paul wrote that said food and days mean nothing. It was all fulfilled in Christ. Yes, but if you worship on this day or if you just eat avocados, I like avocados, then God will love you more. No, he won't. Please, and say this with all love to that person who is a food person or a day person. God can't love you more or less by the day that you worship or that the food that you eat. 
It can't be done. But that's what they teach you. And he says, notice, who have been occupied with it, but it didn't profit them. Because Jesus fulfilled it all. Amen? So we don't have to worry about days or foods or kosher or shellfish. We can eat it all. Amen? That great sheet that Peter saw. Oh, go eat. (laughs) What I called... (laughs) Clean, don't you call unclean, Pete. I love that he brought that vision to Peter because the younger guys would be like, yeah, but Peter is older. He's been in Judaism his entire life. He's used to not having this food. And so God is the one that speaks directly to him and says, go and eat. Listen, if you know people You need to underline these verses. This is important. Don't get whacked out into strange doctrine and teaching, and don't get yourself confused with food or days. The writer is telling them at the end of this message, hey, buck up. We've got a little bit more to go in our our walk, in our run with Christ. So don't get sidetracked by things that don't matter. Amen? Man, we get sidetracked by things that don't matter all of the... We write books, we start whole seminaries on them. Why why do we do that? Can't we just make the main thing the main thing? I think the book of Hebrews is probably one of the most valuable books for the church today. Because the church wants to, to make it about what I can do for God. And the writer says, but Jesus already did the work. Notice he says, we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. Our altar, the writer says, is Christ. And therefore, it includes all the blessings that are found in him. Those who are connected to the Levitical system have no right to partake of the better things of Christianity. Man, the writer just hits it at the end here. Listen, the only way those who are religious are going to come into the kingdom is if they repent and they accept Jesus Christ. He says, for the bodies of the animals, verse 11, those uh, whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside of the camp. Therefore, Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood or set them apart suffered outside the gate. He too was crucified outside. Golgotha is right outside of the fortress and of the walls. Notice what he says. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp bearing his reproach. What is the writer saying? Listen, you're going to have to leave your family. You're going to have to leave the religious organization. You're going to have to go bear the reproach with Jesus, and it may be just you doing it. You may have to leave your family, but you have to identify with Christ. Notice, therefore, let us go to him outside of the camp, outside of the religious organization that you once have. Go outside where Jesus is. Notice, Bearing his reproach, 
The Jews looked down upon him because he hung on a tree. Even the Old Testament says, Cursed is anyone who hangs on the tree. He says, For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. They were focused like the disciples were on the temple. Lord, look at the temple. Look at the great stones. And Jesus says what? He says, you see these stones? Not one of them will be left upon another. They'll be all taken out. Religious and the sacrificial system and the Levitical system was all about the temple and about Jerusalem. And Jesus is not only outside, but he has a heavenly home for us. Notice, but we seek the city which is to come. Therefore, knowing all of that, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That means to worship him and to sing. Your mouth has to be moving in order to sing. I know this is, might be revolutionary, but it has to open and close for sounds to come out. Or if you're a ventriloquist, which is kind of creepy sometimes. Let Therefore, let us continually, that means ongoing basis, we never stop the offering of sacrifice of praise to God. Notice that is the fruit of our lips. Notice, give thanks to his name. People ask me all the time, why is Jesus on the back wall? Well, I, I always want everyone to be reminded when they walk in the room who we are here for. Why are we here? We are not here to play church. And we don't worship God in the generic capital G-O-D. Although, yes, we worship the Father. We worship God in the Trinity. But we worship Jesus. And listen, don't send me a letter. We're not Jesus-only people. Well, that's a wing of, pe- of the church too. Boy, we could get on all of them tonight. We worship Jesus because he was the one on the cross. He is the part of the Trinity that came in the bodily form as a man and paid for our sin. So that's why he says the volume of the book speaks of me. It is the Holy Spirit's role to point people to Jesus. It is, the, it is Jesus' responsibility to point people to the Father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 16. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Don't you love that the writer is talking to adults? He's not talking to the, the five-year-olds. Hey, kids, remember to share your fruit cup, your juice box. He doesn't have to tell them to share pretzels. He's telling adults, listen, don't forget to do good and share. Part of the responsibility, and I don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable. Part of your responsibility as, a, as the body of Christ and as a follower of Jesus is to do good works. They do not get you to heaven, but once you're saved, it proves that you are a follower because you won't just sit in the chairs or the pews. You will be active in your faith. You will want to serve 
and do good. You'll see a need and you'll want to meet that need. Don't forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices, which means when we do good and when we share, oftentimes there is a sacrifice involved. I'm going to go without so somebody can have this. Notice God is what? Well pleased. Jesus said, when you give a cup of cold water in my name, God sees when you and I do good to those in the body. I think he likes it. I think he's talking it up. Dad, did you see what they did? That was wonderful. Did you see that Holy Spirit? They went without so that that family could be blessed. So don't forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. And then he gets back again. <laughs> Obey those who rule over you. Said it twice, so which means we need to remember it. And be submissive. Notice, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. So let them do so with joy. I love this verse. I've, I have it highlighted. Let them do so with joy and not with grief for that they would be unprofitable for you. The idea is that the pastors and the leaders, they look out for you. How do we look out for you? We we spot bad doctrine and we spot wolves. And we take the wolves outside. We take care of them. We spare you of that. The amount of information that I read on a weekly basis or listen to, my water keeps falling over. It's amazing, let alone all the people that send me stuff. And and listen, thank you for sending me stuff, but I can't always get to everything. (laughs) You flat earthers. He says, obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. I have to stand before my boss, Jesus, and say, Lord, I taught them your word. I kept them out of the blood moons. (laughs) I kept them out of this. I kept them out of that. And I like what he says here. So let them do so with joy and not grief. Don't make it harder on your pastor. (laughs) That's what he says. Don't you love that? Why? Because I believe this is Paul. Paul was a pastor's pastor. He looked out for Timothy. He looked out for Titus. He looked out for the men who were in ministry. He wanted to take care of them. I remember I was gone one time, and Pastor Sandy Adams came. Uh, this was a long time ago. This was Flea Market Building 2. So we, we have all these buildings marked out where we've been. By the way, my wife just said this. We have been 10 years in this building. Uh, what was that? Last This month? 1st of May? Something like that. It's close. This year has been 10 years. Amazing, huh? 10 years in this building, almost 20 years here in Myrtle Beach. Well, when we were in that building, Sandy Adams came and he taught a message that said, uh, I, I love this message. He says, give Ron a break. You could do worse. And I'm like, what? I thought you were supposed to encourage 
But listen, I deeply appreciated that as a young 33-year-old, 34-year-old at the time, with, the, with people a lot older than me and me teaching, and his point was valid, which is this verse. Give him a break. Don't grieve him more. <laughs> Let him have joy. The joy of the, we're going to see in John that he says, I, 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 I'm thankful for God when my children are walking in truth. John says that. The older, the, the, the apostle of love says, I get excited when the church is doing what they're called to do. And this is not a message. The church is not, not doing what you're supposed to. Calm down. Everybody's doing fine. Mostly, I got to talk to a few people. He says, let them do so with joy and would not grieve, for that would be unprofitable for you. If, if the pastor is always putting fires out in the body, he can't do his job. He has to do uh, funerals. He has to do weddings and then just preparing for the weekly services. And notice how he ties it in. He says, then pray for us. Pray for the the pastors. If you're listening on the radio, pray for your pastor and the staff of the church that you attend. Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. We just want to do the right thing, the writer says. He says, but I especially urge you to do this, that I might be restored to you sooner. So the writer says, Pray for us so I can come to you sooner. Now, he stops and he just gives us a pause, which I think Paul can do so well. He says, now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And just like a pastor there, he's not done. He said amen, but he ain't done. He got more to do. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead. Listen, our great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. God had established this all the way back in Genesis 3, verse 15. The proto-evangelicum, the first time the gospel message is mentioned in the Bible. He says that we would make you complete in every good work. That means mature, that you would be maturing in not only your works, but in faith to do his work and his will, he says, in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Notice it says, in well-pleasing in his sight. From time to time, not all the time, when I'm praying, I'm, I'm saying, Lord, would you just remove those things that are not well-pleasing in our lives? Wednesday night, whatever what happened in our week, whatever, when we get to Sunday, Lord, whatever's not well-pleasing in your sight, would you just remove that? Notice, to be glory forever and ever. Jesus receives the glory 
again, the writer is talking to a group of people who think they can work their way to God. And so they receive the glory. He says, no, it is Jesus Christ to whom be all the glory forever and ever. Amen. And he says, and I appealed to you, brethren, bear with the word of exhortation. The idea is, thank you for listening for the last 13 chapters. Now, I, I think it's Paul because it's only Paul who could say 13 chapters are just a few words. He's the only guy be like, listen, that was nothing. 13, you should see Corinthians, first and second, and we think there was a third one, a first one that we don't have a copy of them. Probably three letters to the Corinthians. He says, I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the words of exhortation. And remember, this letter isn't just going to them, it's going all throughout the churches. So, Bear with the word of exhortation. Could I encourage you as a reminder every time we are in a book that might seem a little dull in the middle of Job? You laugh, but wait till we get there. And then you're going to say, wow, that's, it's hard to watch him teach this. Yes. He says, bear with that word because all of God's word, even in the middle of Job, is important. He says, for I've written to you just a few words. I just crack up over that. He says, know that our brother Timothy has been set free. So Timothy was in prison. Could be that he was in prison with Paul uh, at a different time. At this time, not sure. If it is at this time and, and Paul is writing this, he is letting us know that Timothy has been set free. He says, with whom I shall see you if he comes shortly. He says, greet all those who rule over you, and to all the saints, those in Italy greet you. Grace be with you all. Amen. Now, this doesn't mean that it's written in Italy. It could mean that the writer, if it's Paul, is somewhere else in prison, and he's got some Italians that say, hey, forget about it. We don't know if he's there in Italy. It could be. It could very well be that Paul is writing this. Timothy got locked up with him temporarily. He was released, and so the writer or Paul is telling us this. And he says, grace be with you. Amen. Again, Hebrew teaches us the types and the shadows of the Old Testament found their their full and great fulfillment in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is our great high priest, and he is our sacrifice. He is our altar, as we saw today, and he serves in the heavenly sanctuary, and his priesthood will never end. That's what they were focused on. Everything was the Levitical system. Everything was the priest system. Everything was the sacrificial system, and he says, it's all about Jesus, is that Jesus is better. He's better. He's a better mediator. He's a better hope. He has a better promise. <laughs> he has a better priesthood. He has a better possession. He is better than anything that the old system, the type and the picture, the shadow of what was to come. Again, the, the epistle to the Hebrews encouraged true Christians to walk by faith. I love this from the first chapter. 
and not by sight. And because of this, the life that pleases Christ is a one of faith. It also encourages us to bear up steadfastly under all of the persecutions and the trials, to come outside of the camp, as he t- t- tells us tonight, to suffer the reproach of Jesus being nailed to a tree. Hebrews teaches us about how much we have so great a privilege in Christ. Christians have a very special responsibility. They have a superiority in Christ, and it makes them highly favored in Jesus' eye that we would accept that free gift. Therefore, it makes us a different group, a special group. It makes us the bride of Christ. This is amazing. This is what the writer is saying. And if such privileges are neglected, the writer tells us, and if you go back to the old system after having tasted this free gift of eternal life, the writer says, I can't tell you where you are with Jesus then. Now, that's a sobering way to end, is it not? The writer wants us to know through this whole book, Jesus is better. He is better than anything. And don't let anyone rip you off, as he has said time and time again. Don't get ripped off by family members giving you a guilt trip going back into the old system. Don't let them rob you of what you have in Jesus. Because Jesus is better. Read ahead, Lord willing, James chapter 1. We will not go through that entire chapter. We will do some introduction into James, the half-brother of... Jesus, Jesus had brothers and sisters. Read ahead, James chapter 1. Sunday, Revelation chapter 5, let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word, and we thank you, Lord, that you are better and that the old system was just pointing to what your fulfillment was upon the cross. We thank you, Lord, that you have called us a people of priests, Lord, that we can help others see Jesus, see the need to leave the religious life, the self-righteous life, the life filled with food and days that apparently make us more holy. But nothing makes us more holy. You can't love us any more or any less. And so, Lord, we thank you And we thank you for a place to come to, for your provisions. We thank you that you are a good, good father, Lord, and that you provide for us, that you take care of your children. Thank you for loving us, Lord, enough to send your son, your only begotten son, and that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us. And we ask that you'd come soon, Lord, even at the very door. Thank you, Lord, that we don't fear what man can do. In Jesus' name, amen.